0: There are two things that are absolutely true. Grandma loves you, and she would never say no to McDonald's. So treat yourself to a grandma McFlurry with your order today. It's what grandma would want. Pa-da-pa-pa-pa. At participating McDonald's for a limited time.
1: Witness Docs from Stitcher.
2: Before Brittany had her rights stripped away. Before Free Britney became a worldwide phenomenon, Britney Spears was known as America's Princess of Party. This is paparazzi footage of Britney in her 20s running amok in Los Angeles. In this clip, she's giggling with some friends as they head to the clubs.
3: What, Eddie? With cheese. cheese? With cheese. cheese.
4: And this is her ordering some late night fast food while wearing a fur coat and sunglasses. Britney was doing the thing a lot of young people do going out, drinking, having fun. But she was doing it all on this epic superstar scale. She hit exclusive parties with Paris Hilton and Lindsay Lohan. Here's Paris with Britney and the Paps.
0: Open the door, please. <laughs>
2: Britney would curse out the paparazzi when they got too in her face. I'm in the house my goddamn home, you stupid fuck. Move! Or she'd invite them to hang out.
3: Party at my house.
2: All right, let's, let's, go. Go. let's go. Come,
3: Come on, Britney, let's do yeah. it. Yes! Yeah. Yeah. Thank you, Britney. We love
4: you, man. Happy <laughs> <laughs> In Britney's few years of adult freedom, she lived life at full speed, literally. She always seemed to be driving back and forth across the giant expanse that is Los Angeles. She turned the city into her playground. And she made a few questionable decisions along the way. She went commando while wearing super short dresses. She hooked up with Chris Angel. Yes, the magician Chris Angel. But these quote, mistakes are what made Britney,
2: Britney. Because all of our choices, good or bad, are what make us
4: who we are. And we should be allowed to make mistakes, shouldn't we? To occasionally do the thing that's not the best choice? Eat leftover pizza for breakfast, spend your rent money on a new tattoo, hook up with a guy named Stu who works in a potion shop. We've all done it, right?
2: Our own decisions are what make life meaningful. And mistakes teach us about what to avoid in the future. They give us our best stories. No one has an amazing anecdote about the time they drank some
4: tea and went to bed early. Who was Brittany's dad or anyone else to say what mistakes Brittany was allowed to make? Why do some people get to make mistakes while others are seen as incapable to choose for themselves?
2: We're getting into thorny questions like these in this episode of Toxic, our last one. And we're talking about power. What does Brittany's story have to tell us about who gets power in our society and why?
3: Spears is easily the most famous person under guardianship or conservatorship. Uh, and so it's really, I don't know if exciting is the right word, because it's tragic. I wish that this wasn't being done to her, but it is an opportunity to bring, you know, a huge spotlight to a major issue that impacts some of the least privileged members of our community.
2: This is Sarah Luderman, a journalist whose work focuses on disability rights. We wanted to talk to Sarah because she's written several pieces about Brittany's situation as it relates to the disabled community, a community that Sarah
3: herself is a part of. I guess something you should know about autism is, like, sometimes we get really into doing the same thing over and over again or listening to the same song over and over again, and I've basically had Toxic on as a loop, like, on a, on a loop.
4: Sarah wasn't drawn to Brittany's case because of her music. In fact, she wasn't ever really a fan. Sarah's interested in Britney's story because it's bringing the issue of conservatorships into public conversation. Although Sarah says the way Britney's case is talked about can often be problematic.
3: A lot of people seem to not be sure if Britney was really disabled or not and and I don't think that that question really matters so much. Like I think if Britney had a substantial disability she would still deserve more civil rights than she currently has. I think the assumption that like this is a good option for those kind of people is is pretty ableist. I find the implication that she's not really disabled and therefore shouldn't be under guardianship frustrating because actually no one should be under guardianship, or at least way fewer people should be under guardianship.
2: For many people with disabilities, turning 18 means entering a guardianship. It's common practice for schools to encourage parents of disabled children to pursue guardianship
4: for their kids as soon as they become legal adults. But many disability rights activists, including Sarah, feel this is far too drastic of an approach.
3: Guardianship and conservatorship in general is basically a stripping of legal personhood. There are like obviously people who need a substantial amount of support who may not be able to, you know, manage their own money in a way that is safe, you know, so they won't get taken advantage of. Like those are real issues that people need real support on, but Guardianship slash conservatorship are really like a nuclear option. Like you press a button and just everything's gone. So
4: what alternatives are there to conservatorships? Well, advocates like Sarah point to something called supported decision making. Basically a system where a person with a disability relies on a trusted group of advisors to help them make important decisions. Options like this keep people out of the court system. And preserve something, Sarah says, is key. People under
3: guardianship don't really have like consent in a way that conceptualized for most people. Like their consent has basically been transposed to another person who's supposed to act in their best interest. So, it, yeah, it's just it's very dehumanizing. Acting in someone's best interest—that's
2: an idea that comes up over and over again in discussions about conservatorship. Acting in someone's best interest sounds like a good thing, right? But when you break it down, forcing someone to do what you think is best for them can
3: mean robbing them of some really important liberties. So like, uh, it's in your best interest to eat a salad. It's in your best interest to not be late for work. But like, what you what you want to do might not be the same thing as what's best for you. Like, those are two different concepts. There should be a right to make bad decisions. Um, And it's something that non-disabled people are allowed to do all the time, but disabled people aren't.
2: This is what's been taken from Brittany. 13 years worth of making her own decisions, both good and bad. It's ironic that the quote-unquote bad decisions Brittany made when she was young, the Vegas elopement, the partying her Starbucks chic street style were so heavily policed by the people around her because Britney's edgy rock star attitude was exactly the thing that endeared Britney to me and so many of her fans.
5: When she wore her wedding dress to go shopping, just little things like that where I was just like, this woman is a total badass. Like she's not afraid to be who she is. She's not afraid to put her real self out there. This is Megan Radford. You may
4: remember Megan as one of the Free Britney supporters in episode one, who was there outside the courthouse during Britney's testimony. And yes, Britney did wear the wedding dress from her and Kay Fed's nuptials six months after finalizing her divorce while she was car shopping with the new dude she was seeing. I mean, truly a legend, an icon, an inspiration.
5: She was just like this, this happy spot in my life and I loved her. But then it was really when she started struggling that I actually started feeling like I was connected to her, like from a soul perspective, because I had undiagnosed depression and anxiety for a lot of my adolescent years and I didn't understand what I was feeling. And then she started having public struggles and it made me realize that I wasn't alone.
4: Megan doesn't just love Britney. She's also a key organizer and important voice in the Free Britney movement. And she's been in the Free Britney game longer than most.
5: I was a part of the original movement in 2009.
2: Yep. The term Free Britney has been around since 2009. It was originally used on message boards by fans who were critical of Britney's conservatorship. Megan was one of those fans.
5: I bought a pink t-shirt and some black iron on letters and I wrote Free Britney on it. And I wore it to uh, her concert, which is kind of funny because now I would not uh, attend the concert to support the conservators. (laughs) But at the time, I didn't know. I mean, I was... In my early 20s.
4: Megan first learned of Britney's conservatorship soon after it was put into place. And right away, it struck Megan as really suspect because her brother, who has a developmental disability, is in a similar arrangement.
5: So my brother, you know, he, he walks and he has some speech, but he is... Cognitively, probably still in elementary school. I think because of my brother, I had a firsthand look at what a conservatorship is meant for and um, how it's supposed to operate and how it's supposed to be a beneficial thing in someone's life. When Megan's
2: brother turned 18, he entered a guardianship under the care of Megan's mom. Megan says that when she found out Brittany was in a conservatorship, similar to what her brother was in, she immediately compared their situations.
5: And it was really a moment where I was like, what the heck? Like, why would something that's appropriate for my brother, who literally would not be able to feed, clothe, or shelter himself without it, be appropriate for the biggest pop star in America.
4: Megan feels that her brother's guardianship is ultimately a helpful arrangement for him. Her mother takes care of his day-to-day needs and makes sure he gets exercise and participates in activities with friends.
5: Without a guardianship in place, he wouldn't be able to live a fulfilling life. But Britney? Megan felt like Britney's conservatorship was unnecessary,
2: even harmful. So after we released the Free Britney episode of Britney's Gram in 2019, Megan was galvanized. She began flying out to Los Angeles from Oklahoma every few months to attend rallies. Pretty soon, she was deeply involved in organizing rallies, along with other people like Leanne Simmons and Kevin Wu. Here's Megan at a Free Britney rally in November
5: 2020. Well, it's great to have you all here today. We appreciate all the support from all over the world. Thank you to everyone for coming. Brittany obviously means so much to each and every one of us.
4: Megan helps helps run the website freebritney.army, which posts a ton of information for those who want to take action. Things like how to run your own Free Britney rally, how to file a formal complaint against people like Sam Ingham or Judge Brenda Penny, and how to write letters to public officials to encourage conservatorship reform.
5: I think we're just trying to come at it from a lot of different angles because we may have all started this fight for Britney Spears specifically, but this issue is much, much larger than that. The Free Britney
2: movement has started advocating on behalf of all kinds of conservatorship abuse cases. Megan and the other organizers see the rallies at Britney's hearings as educational opportunities. Their goal is to spread the word to Britney fans about less
5: high-profile cases. We've asked, you know, people who've been personally affected by conservatorship abuse to join us and speak, and we ask uh, other Free Britney advocates to speak and things like that. Kevin, Leanne, and I are kind of part of a coalition of probate reform advocates, and we meet biweekly. In those meetings, they really strategize on who has court cases coming up, how we can support each other what action we can take with the legislation
4: People like Megan have helped make Free Britney a full-blown bipartisan political issue. In a collaboration that seems less likely than Taylor Swift and Kanye West, Elizabeth Warren and Ted Cruz have come together to agree that we as a country have got a Free Britney. Lawmakers at all levels of government are starting to push for conservatorship reform. Here's California Assemblyman Evan Lowe addressing the state legislature in May 2021.
1: Some would say that the current political system is a circus, and it is our prerogative as legislators to help provide oversight of the judiciary's bureau. We are, of course, lucky to be in this position to advocate for this cause. Please help us make our current laws stronger than yesterday by voting...
4: In many states, advocates are pushing legislation that would give conservatees more freedoms, like the ability to choose their own attorney or decide who they visit with. The international attention on Britney's case has put a spotlight on the need for reform.
2: Seeing Free Britney go from a fan movement to a worldwide phenomenon that's actually helping change conservatorship laws is surreal, to say the least. I still remember in 2018, making my first calls to conservative rights advocacy groups. They seemed shocked that someone wanted to report on conservatorships at all. Now, Free Britney is everywhere. We've seen cocktails named Free Britney, a weed strain. A minor league baseball team had a Free Britney-themed game. Sometimes, when I look at how big this has all gotten, It feels like I'm watching a movie
4: about someone else's life. Elon Musk has come out for Free Britney. So have Madonna, Missy Elliott, and Miley Cyrus. Free Britney! Free!
5: Free! Free! Free Britney!
2: All this energy and worldwide attention have made Megan and a lot of
4: other Free Britney activists hopeful that their efforts will pay off. Say this happens. Say, like, tomorrow you know, the conservatorship was terminated. How would you feel? What would you do?
5: Oh, I'd probably fly to LA to be with all of you guys. <laughs> so, I, we've joked um, several times that we're going to play in a freedom party when it does happen. And it it will be an amazing moment. But then I also plan to continue my advocacy for probate court reform as a whole. So
2: do you think, is this, like a lifelong mission for you at this point.
5: <laughs> yeah, I, I, <laughs> I'm I'm committed. I mean, Brittany is my number one, but I really think that after learning all the things that I've learned about the corruption in the probate court system, I don't know how anyone could know that information and not try to affect change. I can honestly say that
4: I'm now passionate about conservatorship reform this is just one aspect of my current life that I never saw coming people these days like to say to me wow if you could meet your 15 year old self right now wouldn't your teenage mind be blown and to that I'm like my teenage self would probably say what the hell are you talking about what's a conservatorship and did your mom let you pierce your belly button yet Obviously, if Britney gets free, we'll be going to that party
2: with Megan and the other Free Britney folks. We've hit gay bars with them before, and let me tell you, if you haven't watched multiple people spontaneously break into the slave for you, Corio, you haven't lived.
4: But as much as making this podcast has been about getting our girl Britney the justice she deserves, for us, it's also been about uncovering what got us here in the first place. The dark truths that have allowed Britney's situation to persist.
0: Treat Dad to the good stuff at Nordstrom Rack and save big. Father's Day is Sunday, June 16th, and Nordstrom Rack's got gifts Dad will love up to 60% off. Shirts, activewear, watches, cologne, denim, and more. Find amazing deals on Tommy Bahama, cole hahn original penguin and vince great brands great prices so get to your nordstrom rack store now and make dad's day with gifts up to 60 percent off
4: hey there i'm brad i'm about to win the tuesday night bowling league championship i'm also a highway worker for the ohio department of transportation when you move over and slow down
0: you're making sure i can bowl a winning strike with my buddies remember they're not just roadside workers thank you for moving over and slowing down there are two things that are absolutely true Grandma loves you and she would never say no to McDonald's. So treat yourself to a Grandma McFlurry with your order today. It's what Grandma would want. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. I participate in McDonald's for a limited time.
2: What drew you to Britney's story?
1: I'm an attorney and I, as a reporter, gravitate towards stories where there's some injustice and some mystery, Uh, so probably some of the same qualities that drew you to the story.
2: This is investigative reporter Ronan Farrow. In July 2021, he and reporter Gia Tolentino published an expose in The New Yorker titled, Britney Spears' Conservatorship Nightmare. In addition to his deep knowledge about Britney's story, Ronan also has a unique vantage point when it comes to power and how it operates. He has published stories that have helped bring down abusers like Harvey Weinstein.
4: Ronan also has personal experience with fame, secrecy, and family dynamics. He grew up in a Hollywood family. His mother is actress Mia Farrow, and his father, Woody Allen, has been the center of an assault scandal prompted by accusations from Ronan's older sister, Dylan Farrow.
1: You know, I I know a thing or two about families being torn apart by fame, you know, that there was the added dimension in Britney Spears' case of a family torn apart by her wealth and the struggle for control over it. But the combination of that battle and those complicated family dynamics and her extreme, extraordinary fame, I think created a situation where you had an apparently kind, compassionate person completely cut off from any friends or loved ones who could really look out for her and and be an anchor. And and that's a, a devastating thing to unravel.
4: Ronan and Gia's New Yorker piece included a number of shocking revelations about Britney's case, including that Britney tried to officially report herself as a victim of conservatorship abuse just a day before her open court testimony in June 2021.
1: It was striking to me to learn that she went to law enforcement before uh, she spoke in court.
2: The morning of Britney's testimony, Paparazzi photos circulated online of Brittany leaving a police station near her home. She wore sunglasses, a button-up, and a long gray cardigan. As she walked back to her car, she looked nervous, determined. When we saw the photos the morning of her hearing, things suddenly felt heightened, even more urgent.
1: She went in, and then when she couldn't get seen in person, she called the 911 dispatch center um, so, so this is someone who was fiercely motivated in making her complaint public and formalizing it in all sorts of ways.
2: What do you think it says about the severity of her situation that she went to the police before she knew she was going to make that testimony?
1: I think that it certainly suggests a high level of functionality. <laughs>
4: Ronan's worked on many high-profile stories involving crime and corruption. He's used to dealing with sources who are scared to speak. But Ronan says even he was struck by the level of secrecy around Britney's story.
1: I suppose going in, I hadn't fully clocked the extent to which sources around this viewed the camp and Spears' management and even Jamie Spears as real threats, the extent to which people felt intimidated. And, you know, there were people who were really convinced that if they went on the record uh, complaining about this or shining a light on it, their careers in the entertainment industry would suffer.
4: One of the first things you learn in Los Angeles, besides never find a roommate on Craigslist, is that you are replaceable. If you complain about your treatment at a job or question the authority of someone above you, There's someone at the Greyhound bus station waiting to take your spot. If you want something badly enough, you'll suck it up. And if you suck it up long enough, if you make it to your goal, whether it's dancing behind Britney Spears on stage, doing her makeup, or designing her stage lights, you'll do a lot to keep that job, including turning a blind eye. And this is how the cycle of intimidation and silence keeps going, keeps stories like Britney's under wraps. When we were still in the
2: early days of the Free Britney explosion and trying to figure out how to get this show made, someone close to Britney, someone who's very powerful in this industry, threatened to ruin our careers because they were upset we were making a project that was critical of Britney's conservatorship. They basically took the hack route of saying we'd never work in this town again. And, as much as we'd like to name check that individual right now, the reality is that person could end
4: our careers. By the way, that person came out for free Britney. You know, as soon as it was trendy.
2: We've spoken with lots of coworkers of Britney's who are afraid to come on record because their careers may suffer. But also, we've spoken with people who aren't in entertainment who are scared that speaking about Brittany will jeopardize their safety.
4: Even after all this explosive reporting and after she spoke in court, we still find that there are plenty of people who you know, we speak with who are still scared of coming forward. Do you think there's something particular about Brittany's story?
1: I, I do uh, uh, think that there is still too much of a veil of secrecy. Uh, I think that part of what allowed some of the uh, potential injustices to flourish around this was too much secrecy. And you know, it allowed, I think, even people on the inside to tell themselves a story about what they were doing in maintaining and being a part of this conservatorship that they weren't really forced to question until now. And I think we're still living in sort of the the ruins of that structure of secrecy Um, where, you know, there was an easy narrative presented for why this had to be the way that she was controlled.
4: That narrative Ronan's referring to has, for a long time, been basically that Brittany needs a conservatorship because she has mental health issues. And because she has mental health issues, it would be a violation of her medical privacy to be open about what's going on with the conservatorship.
1: You know, it creates these agonizing catch-22s around conservatorship issues where, you know, the, the conservatee is often unable to transparently make the case for their freedom and the conservators often have sort of a convenient excuse for airtight secrecy because they're respecting someone's medical privacy and they don't want to damage the conservatee's reputation.
2: Another way that we've seen silence perpetuated around Britney's situation is via the use of non-disclosure agreements, or NDAs. NDAs are legally binding confidentiality agreements.
4: Like we've mentioned, many of the sources we've spoken with are on NDAs, and that makes them scared to talk publicly. They seem to think that speaking out would mean total financial ruin.
2: I do want to talk more about NDAs. From a legal perspective and in your own experience, have you encountered a lot of people who have faced repercussions for breaking an NDA? Or is that sort of like no. a shadow specter that's just used on people?
1: I mean, it, it happens, to be clear. It, 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 it does happen, um, but it, it is certainly not widespread in my experience.
4: Ronan says that basically, if you've already committed some kind of heinous activity that's outed by someone who's breaking their NDA trying to pursue legal action against that whistleblower is not a good look.
2: But it's not just acquaintances and co-workers under NDAs who've been silent about Britney's conservatorship all these years. Britney's family has, too. Even Britney's mom, Lynn Spears, has been oddly quiet about Britney's situation for pretty much all of the conservatorship.
1: She was not a fierce advocate for her daughter uh, early on. Um, She was very careful and very quiet. And I think that that's the way that she has dealt with uh, all of these complicated situations for a very long time.
4: Lynn has not escaped the scrutiny of the Free Britney movement. Many people have filled up her Instagram posts with comments such as, you had 13 years to save her and you did nothing or simply just a bunch of snake emojis. Lynn also lives in a home that Britney purchased and is maintained by Britney's conservatorship. So, although she may not be making the paychecks that Jamie has as conservator, Lynn has still benefited financially from Britney. Ronan and Gia did get a brief quote
2: from Lynn for their piece, in which she admitted to being, quote, good at deflecting. Ronan says he views Lynn as another tragic figure in this story.
1: The portrait that emerges of Lynn, when you talk to people around this family, is one of, you know, a woman who has endured a lot of tough things, um, was in a relationship that, by many accounts, was at the very least emotionally abusive, uh, has coped with that, again, by many accounts, by being sort of very passive and non-confrontational. There have
2: been plenty of factors that have led to complacency around Britney's situation. One of them is the simple fact of Britney's gender. We live in a culture that diminishes feminine things. Feminine movies are just chick flicks. Feminine magazines are just guilty pleasures. And feminine people, like Britney, are just blonde hair and perfectly flat abs. A product.
1: I think without a doubt, Britney Spears being a woman uh, played a huge role in the way in which this went unquestioned for so long. We can all obviously point to any number of male celebrities who have gone off the rails, who have struggled with mental health issues, who have not been treated in the way that Britney Spears was treated, um, who haven't been deprived of their rights in the way that she has. She was someone that society got too comfortable with thinking of as as an object who is controlled by others.
4: Who gets power in this world and how? How much power did Britney hold in 2008 when she had a hit record out? When she was a 20 something international icon with millions of dollars to her name? And why was that power so easily taken away from her and given to a man she didn't even want in her home? We still find these questions really hard to answer.
2: Jamie Spears was nothing without Britney Spears. He didn't have his own career. He didn't have his own power. He, he took power that was Britney's away from her. Just in your opinion, how was he able to do that? What did, I guess what in our society do you think allowed that to happen in plain view?
1: I think Britney's own testimony is incredibly compelling when she talks about him, uh, you know, sort of getting off on controlling a powerful person. Uh, you know, none of us is in that relationship and none of us can know how fair that characterization is. I'm, I'm sure uh, Jamie Spears would dispute it vigorously, but it's relevant to consider that that's how he's made her feel. And I think that there was this perfect storm of factors that allowed that to happen and to continue year after year.
2: You said online that Britney's story was one of the saddest stories you've ever reported. And you've reported on some pretty heavy topics. Uh, What made you say that about Britney's story?
1: The fact that she said in court, you know, I I was afraid to speak about this stuff earlier because I I thought people would make fun of me. And, you know, they'd, they'd laugh and they'd say... She's crazy. She has everything. She's Britney Spears. I mean, for me, that I'm paraphrasing, obviously, but for me, that line and the way in which it reflects how kind of trapped she has felt—that's devastating. And you know, you watch, uh, you know, chaotic. <laughs> <laughs> or any of those earlier documents. And you, and you see that she, you know, she's had her moments of, of living her life, too. Um, thank goodness. Uh, but it, it's sad to think that she maybe, over the years of the conservatorship, has become so constrained that she really doesn't have people left with whom to do that.
2: In their reporting, Ronan and Gia describe Brittany in her early 20s. During the few years, she was a free adult when she had the chance to do, you know, that early 20s stuff we heard about earlier. They write, quote, Spears blew off steam by partying. She smoked weed, used cocaine, took Molly with her dancers, and jumped into the Mediterranean Sea.
1: People are allowed legally to self-sabotage, and they're allowed to spiral, uh, you know, and to struggle. And, you know, it's one thing if someone is hurting someone else. But it really struck me that there was never anyone who presented any evidence that Britney Spears was a danger to anyone else.
2: After we read your New Yorker piece, all of us were like, I'm so glad Britney got to do Molly and swim in the the Mediterranean (laughs) once in her life.
1: I know, girl, you deserve that.
4: (laughs) (laughs) How would Britney's life look today if Back in 2008, she'd been allowed to figure out life for herself. If, when her dad tried to get a conservatorship without a capacity declaration, the judge had said no. If Britney had been allowed to hire a lawyer who would actually fight for her right away.
2: Britney Spears was 26 years old when she lost her freedom. She had endless possibilities in front of her. She could have spent a few more years partying and stealing boys' fedoras and nightclubs before getting way too into juice cleanses and wellness. She could have continued to hang out with Sam Letby until she got annoyed with him and changed her number. She could have taken a decade-long break from the music industry and then come back with an album of mid-tempos about finding herself. Or she could have moved back to Louisiana spend her days shopping at Target and running around with her kids.
4: If the people in Britney's life had never engaged in that tug-of-war for control, if that battle had never made its way from Britney's Hollywood Hills home to the Stanley Moss courthouse, we might not be here asking what if and imagining what might have been all these years later. Instead, what became of Britney Spears... The person, the artist, the brand, all of that would have been this woman's choice.
1: People can take everything away from you, but they can
4: never take away your truth. But the question is, can you handle it? Can you handle my truth?
1: Can you? I don't know. (laughs) Ha ha
4: It's thank you time. A giant final thank you to our amazing team at Witness Docs. We love you so much, and we're so grateful to have worked with you. Abigail Keel, Kevin Kated Tidmarsh, Gianna Palmer, Camille Stanley, Casey Holford, and Peter Clowney. And Toxic is written and hosted by me, Babs Gray. And me, Tess Barker.
2: Reach out to us with your questions and comments at brittanypod at stitcher.com or get in touch on social at Britney's Gram. Find transcripts for all of our episodes at witnesspodcasts.com. And subscribe to Toxic, the Britney Spears story, wherever you listen to podcasts. We also want to thank Aaron Nestor for designing our show art. Stefan DeFiore, Amy Fitzgibbons, Ron Gaskell, and Allison and Partners for their support in helping the world hear about this show. Nora Ritchie, Tracy Samuelson, Emma Morgenstern and Andres O'Hara listened to early drafts, and Jared O'Connell helped answer technical questions.
4: The biggest thank you in the world to our ride-or-die friend Zoe Schwab, who helped us research things for this show, and to Aniqua Dwamana, who made sure our facts were factual. Sydney Freeman and Thomas Burke at Davis Wright Tremaine gave us stellar legal advice. Thank you. And finally, we want to shout out to all the folks who've helped us along
2: our journey in ways big and small. Lisa McCarley, Rick Black, Moya Luckett, Jasmine Harris, Lisa Gottman, Vlad, AKA Dutch, Zoe brennan crone Joe Vizzetti, Natalie Muallam, Lucas Waldron, Claire Rawlinson, The Stitcher Studios in Los Angeles, Elaine Renoir and Martha Southwick at NASCA, Dr. Sam Sugar, And our reps, Shauna Wexler and Jennifer Gray.
4: Thanks to my boyfriend Adam Steinbrenner and my family and friends for listening to me have many a meltdown over the last few years. And special thanks to our lady to lady co host and pal, Brandy Posey, for the endless support while we made this show. And we have to shout out the Free Britney Army for your constant dedication and incredible research, especially Lisa and Jacqueline from Eat Pray Britney, Junior Olivas, Ryan the Sagittarius. Britney Law Army, Nelson 64, Britney the Stan, Free Britney LA, Britney Spears Custom Dolls, That's a Prize Witness, Jake Yonce, and Bible Girl 666. And thanks to my husband, Sean Green,
2: and my family, especially my mom, for learning to use the podcast app so you could listen to this.
4: Hook up with a guy named Stu who works in a potion shop. We've all done it, right? He had a ponytail, and he rejected me. <laughs>
0: oh, God. There are two things that are absolutely true. Grandma loves you, and she would never say no to McDonald's. So treat yourself to a Grandma McFlurry with your order today. It's what Grandma would want. ba da ba ba At Participate in McDonald's for a limited time.